Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of hand-cooked tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thanks for listening to the Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. And we're brought to you by True Car. When it comes to selling or trading in your car, you need to make good choices. And with True Car, you've got a star on your roster. So when you're ready to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car. True Cash offer not available in all areas. We are coming up on uh, the NFL week uh, 16. There are two games remaining in every NFL team's schedule. We're going to break down with uh, with you there where we're likely to end up in the playoff picture and how much is at stake. But I want to start off the show with uh, the end of National Signing Day. If you didn't listen to yesterday's show, you guys know I'm a big college football fan. I love National Signing Day because of what it represents, which is basically a window into who the national championship contenders are likely to be in the weeks, years, months ahead. And in particular, I never focus on individual recruits. I used to focus on individual recruits back in the day, but now I talk about so many different teams that I look. I like to focus on the overall class because recruiting much like the NFL draft or anything else that is really uh, numbers-based, is a function of probability. And I am not a mathematical expert. 
right? All of you out there who listen to this show know that me trying to do live math on the air, oftentimes not necessarily perfect or even close to perfect. But I think what you learn as you get older is that everything in life is about probability. And in general, you want to put yourself in life in positions where you have the best chance to succeed and do that over and over and over again. And if you do that, eventually the long-term ledger on beside your name or beside your income or beside your uh, success in quotation marks in life is going to end up in a positive direction. Everything you do is not going to work out well, but over time, you will be rewarded for putting yourself in a position where success can follow. And I think that's much the story of recruiting. In order to win national championships, you have to sign four and five star talent and you have to sign as much of that talent as you possibly can. There are still skeptics out there that question this, but they are the equivalent of people who are denying the moon landing or who believe the earth is flat. The factual evidence is all on the side of top recruits lead to championships. And there is a lot of talk now about the quality of overall conferences and everything else that kind of surrounds the conference debate. Because in college football, and this is one reason I think it's fun, all we do is argue. And the entire concept of our champion is predicated on argument. Unlike in many other sports, virtually every other sport almost, we pick the four teams to play for the championship based on who we think is the best. Major League Baseball, that doesn't happen. The NFL, doesn't happen. NBA, doesn't happen. College basketball, not really because the tournament is so big. If you're not one of the 68 best teams, that's kind of on you. I don't think there's not very many people out there who are like, oh, you know, man, this is so unfair that somebody was the 74th best team and they didn't get into the NCAA tournament. That lasts for about an hour. So college football uniquely is predicated on who we think is the best. And consistently, over time, I told you this stat yesterday, but I want to keep hammering it because I think it's going to continue to be true. Going all the way back to 1996, only one team has won a national championship without multiple top 10 recruiting classes in the year, uh, four years before they won that championship. It's an easy response to anybody out there who is faced with a recruiting skeptic. Oh, I don't believe you. Oh, you're wrong. Yesterday in signing day, there were there is still a little bit out there, but there were 10 teams that were the best and they collected the most talent. And over time, in four years, if you don't have at least two top 10 classes, you have virtually a 0% chance of winning a championship. This year, coming into the season, there were 12 teams that had won, uh, that had gotten one signing day, had had at least two top 10 classes in the four years before. Four of those teams are playing in the playoff this year. Alabama, four top 10 classes. Clemson, 
three top 10 classes. Notre Dame, two top 10 classes. Oklahoma, two top 10 classes. That's not a coincidence. If you're going to win a championship, got to have two top 10 recruiting classes. So, with that in mind, what happened yesterday? Alabama, under Nick Saban, has been a dynasty. One reason they have been a dynasty, the primary reason they have been a dynasty, is their recruiting. And they finished with the number one overall recruiting class in the nation again. Last year, Georgia knocked Alabama off their perch. This year, Georgia oh so narrowly came in second. Alabama and Georgia are set up from a talent perspective to be the best two teams in college football year after year right now. A lot of people want to say, oh, the SEC's only got one team if they're SEC skeptics. Set up right now, Alabama and Georgia are the two most talented teams in college football as we prepare to return for the 2019 season. The biggest winner that I think is going to surprise people in the college football universe is what Texas A&M is doing with Jimbo Fisher. Texas A&M is recruiting on a level that will lead them into the college football playoff by next year or the year after. Early prediction, Texas A&M's talent is so good and there is so much stacked up around them in the state of Texas that Texas A&M will be in the college football playoff. Go ahead and clip this one. Go ahead and, uh, uh, and snag it within the next two years. So I predict that Texas A&M will make the college football playoff either in 2019, which is probably going to be a little bit too early next year, or 2020, which I think is more likely. I think it's more likely by 2020, Texas A&M, with the way they are recruiting, will have made the college football playoff. LSU was phenomenal um, and continues to recruit at a high level because no state in America produces more talent than Louisiana per capita. We've got an incredible Coach O audio clip for you that I'll play at the end of hour one. Trust me, you're going to absolutely love it. Oregon did the best job of any school on the West Coast. But here's the problem. The West Coast is starting to fall behind the rest of the country when it comes to top college football talent. A lot of the West Coast college football talent is starting to leave. USC being down is a big hit. There just isn't that much drama there. Oklahoma number six overall, Lincoln Riley is recruiting at a much higher level than Bob Stoops did. Combining that with his offensive ingenuity, that's a hell of a combo for Oklahoma, which has never been producing the kind of year-in, year-in-out talent that Lincoln Riley is bringing in now. Clemson, best recruiting school in the ACC right now under Dabo. Uh, Michigan finishes off number eight, uh, Texas nine, and Penn State 10. The other bit of news that I think is, is significant here is that the SEC had 11 teams in the top 23. If you are at this point in time a SEC stinks truther, If you run around and you make the argument, hey, you know what? The SEC is no good. They're overrated. It's all media hype. You are an imbecile. 
Now, there are a certain number of people in media who now make a living running around constantly arguing that the SEC is overhyped, I guess because they like being wrong, and I guess because they like dancing and lying for their audience. The evidence is overwhelming that the SEC is the best in college football and that they win and produce talent at a much higher rate than anybody else. The last 12 years, the SEC has produced the most NFL draft picks. It's not a coincidence. It's not an accident. It doesn't happen by, um, by you know, just random chance. It's because of days like yesterday. Ole Miss got the 23rd top class in America. Okay, You'd think to yourself, hey, it's pretty good to get a top 25 recruiting class. They're the 11th best recruiting class in the SEC, the 7th best recruiting class in the SEC West division standing alone. That's how unbelievably bad that is in the larger context for them. Much to discuss on the show today. Let me give you a roadmap of where we're headed. I'll open up the phone lines if anybody wants to react to uh, the signing day. 877-996-6369. When we come back, we'll talk the NFL playoff picture as we head into Friday uh, and Saturday and Sunday with all the games going on. We will also, in hour two, talk with Jeff Schwartz. Uh, He's a former NFL offensive lineman. He's going to join us, and he will break down um, everything that he sees going into the weekend. And uh, in particular, what did he think about the Pro Bowl, where to me the Pro Bowl has become a joke. There were a lot of guys that should have made the Pro Bowl that did not. Um, I don't know how exactly the, the, the formula is made for who makes the Pro Bowl, but some of the best players in the country did not make the Pro Bowl. We'll talk about that with him. And then in hour three, Dan Wetzel will join us, Yahoo Sports national columnist. All of that should be a lot of fun. But right now, many of you are waking up, and I don't want to scare you. I don't want to go all Facebook uh, privacy stealing on you, but I bet there's a large number of you right now listening to me while you are pulling out your toothbrushes right now. While you're getting ready, hopping in the shower, shaving, standing in front of your mirror, about to take care of your teeth. And that's why I got to tell you, you know what's a great gift right now for the holiday season? Quip. Quip is the best electric toothbrush ever designed and created by dentists and designers. Designed to make brushing your teeth more simple, affordable, and even enjoyable. I can tell you right now, I use it, I love it, and in particular, I think there are two great factors that that Quip has that a lot of other toothbrushes do not. It tells you, first of all, how long you've been using your toothbrush. You're supposed to brush for a full two minutes. Most of us don't do that, and we don't clean evenly on our teeth. In fact, studies have shown 90% of us don't brush correctly. Also, how often do you use a toothbrush with bristles that are all worn out? 75% of us do it. That's why um, it's important to get brand new bristles sent in so that we're doing it the right way when it comes to brushing our teeth. Also, how would you like to have an electric toothbrush that lasts for one charger for three months? That is pretty fantastic. Quip, one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association, has thousands of verified five-star reviews. I love Quip, you will as well, and that's why they are backed by over 20,000 dental professionals. Quip is just 25 bucks, and if you go to getquip.com, 
That's G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash Clay. Right now, you get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack for free at G-E-T-Q-U-I-P slash Clay, C-L-A-Y. 877-996-6369. When we return, NFL playoff picture. Signing day is in the books. You can react. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Top four classes in America, according to 24-7 Sports, uh, which has a composite index, which averages all of the different recruiting class rankings. Alabama was one. Georgia was two. Texas A&M was three. LSU was four. We've never seen a top four all come from the same conference. But, and this is really entertaining, uh, LSU, even though they finished off number four, they were doing a press conference about their signing day class, and there was noise in the background. And this video is even funnier which I tweeted out last night. You can go see the video for yourself at Clay Travis on Twitter. But Coach O is having his press conference, and he keeps getting interrupted by loud noises behind him. They're doing the press conference inside the indoor football complex, and Coach O is not going to have the noise that keeps arising behind him. Here's what it sounds like. This is live last night, Coach O, LSU, their press conference on signing day. John Embry, another another great young man from Destrehan, Louisiana. Hold on a second. Hey, guys. Hey. I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. Uh, great young man. So proud that we have him. Uh, great parents. And uh, we feel like we got two of the best backs in America. We're excited about him. We had to fix the line of scrimmage. We wanted to get bigger. I'll stop. Hey. Stop the balls. Stop the drill. I'm having a press conference. Thank you. That is Coach O. Fixed the line of scrimmage. Went all the way to Michigan. <laughs> that is six a, five, three hundred sixty-seven pounds. Just Came amazing. Camp. That is Coach O finishing <laughs> off his press conference, uh, which is what I feel like, and what a lot of people with kids feel like uh, every time you're trying to do work and your kids are screaming in the background. Uh, the, the video is even funnier because. A lot of times, uh, this is one of the things that stood out to me when I started doing uh, sports media. When you see a press conference and you see a guy standing in front of a banner and in front of a microphone at like a rostrum uh, answering questions, it looks really kind of professional, but really all it is is a banner that somebody has just popped up. And if you're just outside the frame of the camera, it can look really, really funny. Um, and in this this video, they're in the middle of a football field. I guess they're working on some of their uh, some of their facilities at LSU with just a big banner up on their indoor football practice field. And there's just a bunch of guys practicing and playing over outside the the scope of the camera. But Coach O has got an LSU coach's polo on, and you think, oh, he's dressed up pretty well. But as soon as he walks away from the uh, from the rostrum to go yell at the guys behind him. He's just got purple LSU shorts on and tennis shoes. I mean, it, it is a fantastic video. Coach O, a larger-than-life cartoon character, um, kind of putting the capstone on signing day there. 877-996-6369. 
I said we would take calls, but we're not going to be able to take calls because, uh, come to find out, Dub is not in the, not at work again this morning. He overslept again. Is this our understanding? I'm not sure on the oversleeping part. He called my cell phone and told me that he was running behind this morning. Was it last week that Dub wasn't here uh, also? Uh, that was two Wednesdays ago. All right, two Wednesdays ago. So Dub is working on like a 20% not arriving in time for the show rate right now. Right? I mean, if we just do the basic math, he was not here two Wednesdays ago. So we got like what? What is that? Five, 10, 11 days? And he's two for 11 and not arriving on time that we know of. He might not have been there on time other days too. That would be good if he was a baseball player. Wouldn't even be good if he was a baseball not player. Not really, yeah. <laughs> two for 11 is below the Mendoza line. Yeah. It's like a 190. Uh, that, that would not uh, not be good. I mean, Dang, I was be, trying to put a good spin on it. That's our, be, that's our dude. Three for 11 uh, <laughs> if he's going to be even better than, uh, better than that. All right, so the NFL um, playoff picture. Well, first of all, let me bring in Eddie Garcia and get an update, and then we'll go into the NFL playoff picture. Uh, Eddie Garcia, thanks, by the way, for actually showing up at work. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, that would be a real mess if I tried to toss to you and you legitimately hadn't shown up yet at work. That would be tough to pull off. I'm damn glad to be happy to be here. Yes. Uh, let's give you the Geico scoreboard. We'll start in NBA action with the Rockets beating the Wizards 136-118. to 118. Houston setting an NBA record with 26 three-pointers made in that win. Jazz surprised the Warriors 108-103. to The Suns shocked the Celtics in Boston 111-103. to 103. It's just the eighth win of the year for Phoenix in 32 games. The Raptors have to rally to beat the Pacers, but they get the 99-96 win. Toronto improving their league-best record to 24-9. And the Thunder down the Kings 132 132- 113. Paul George, 43 points for Oklahoma City. Russell Westbrook, a triple-double, 19 points, 11 rebounds, and 17 assists. Top 25 college basketball. We had seven ranked teams in action. Six of them won, including number three, Tennessee, and number five, Virginia. The one that lost was seventh-ranked Auburn. The Tigers fall to NC State, 78-71. to Ohio quarterback Nathan Rourke is our diamond in the rough, brought to you by Hellsburg Diamonds. He uh, led the Bobcats with a three-touchdown performance, two rushing, one passing, in a 27-0 win for Ohio over San Diego State in the Frisco Bowl last night. The holidays are closed, but there's still time for last-minute one-stop shopping. Get gifts that give gifts at Hellsburg Diamonds. Spend $1,199 and get a free Nintendo Switch system. Games sold separately. Now back to Clay Travis and the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. You know, I was watching that Ohio-San Diego State game last night uh, because I gambled on it. And it occurs to me that the college football bowl season has been going for a little while. I mean, we've had a bunch of them. Here are the margins in the bowl games so far. I mean, because this is pretty crazy. Uh, So far. 17-point win for Tulane. I'm doing live math here. 39-point win for Utah State. 11-point win for Fresno State. 32-point win for Appalachian State. 24-point win for UAB. 27-point win for Ohio. Only one of the games has been remotely close. Georgia Southern winning by two over Eastern Michigan. Uh... One of the difficulties, I think, in general when it comes to the bowl season is figuring out how much motivation teams have, and the answer is almost none. There's almost no motivation so far for both teams. One team is just crushing the other, and last night that happened with Ohio. Um, No bowl game, I don't believe, tonight, but uh, still a lot coming into the weekend. And by the way, we're here in the Geico Outkick Studios where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to Geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. 
as we come down the stretch here of the NFL season, there are two games remaining uh, for each team. The playoff picture has actually become really pretty outstanding. Um, and we start off on Saturday uh, because this is going to catch up on some people, sneak up on some people. There are two games on Saturday, both of which have fairly substantial playoff uh, uh, ramifications. The Redskins are on the road against the Titans. The Titans are a 10-point favorite in this game. The Redskins obviously dealing with major injuries, although they are coming off of a win over the uh, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars last weekend. And then the Ravens are, are on the road against the Chargers. I want to bring back up Eddie Garcia because I bet you're going to go to this game. What do you anticipate the crowd looking like for Ravens, Chargers, and what does it look like so far in that StubHub Stadium for the Chargers? How many games have the Chargers had a definite home field advantage of the, I guess they've played six at home because they played one home game in London. How many have they had a definite home field advantage, uh, Eddie Garcia? Well, it's a good question. Um, I will be at the game on Saturday. Uh, I don't think the Ravens have a big national fan base. I think there'll be a little bit of purple there in the StubHub uh, Center, but I don't think it'll be a lot. Um, You know, I was at that game in London where I met you, and that was... Honestly, one of the bigger home field advantages that the Chargers have had this year because they were the designated home team. They passed out Chargers flags to everyone there in attendance. And I think a lot of the fans that were there, just because they were NFL fans, decided to go ahead and just root for the home team. I don't know if you felt that as well being a a fan of the quote-unquote visiting team there. It was a really cool environment. I don't even know when you came back that we talked that much about it. Um, But, yeah, they gave out flags to all the Charger fans. And I would say 80% probably of that crowd, I was curious what to expect, were maybe 75% were British. And a lot of them just came because they're NFL fans. And so I do think they ended up rooting for the Chargers. I also think... The Chargers had a couple of explosive plays, which if you're not a hardcore NFL fan, it's very exciting to see, you know, like a 70-yard touchdown pass. And so I think, uh, you know, a lot of times when you don't really have a rooting interest, you root for excitement. And so I thought they were the more exciting team that day. And by the way, that's turned into a pretty significant game. Um, you, you never know when you see a game in September or October how much it's going to matter come December as we head into January. Uh, but the Titans going for two at the end of that game. If the Titans had won it, they'd be squarely, uh, to the extent that they aren't now, they'd be squarely in the mix uh, for the playoff. And if the uh, Chargers had lost it, they'd basically be playing out the thread now because it would be really hard for them to catch the Kansas City Chiefs and end up anywhere other than the number five overall seed. So this is, I think, probably the most important game of the weekend when you really think about it, the Chargers hosting the Ravens because – As good as the Chargers have been all season, they are in that tenuous place where the one seed versus the five seed is at play for them as they come down the stretch. The second best game, and we'll get to this in a moment, is the Seahawks hosting the Chiefs. Chiefs. Yeah, because we don't know exactly what's going to happen in that game. Both of these, uh, these teams out on the West Coast hosting major games when it comes to two different divisions, two different wild card races. So in that game against the Ravens, Um, the Chargers right now are four-and-a-half-point favorites. The reason why I like the Chargers here is because as good as Lamar Jackson has been, and he's 4-1 and as a starter, he has so far played against the five worst defenses in the NFL. 
It's pretty wild statistically that that would happen. But Lamar Jackson has played so far against the five worst defenses in the NFL. And as a result, I think he's been able to run the football. The Ravens have been able to run the football. They've been able to control the pace. And they really haven't ever gotten behind in a game and had to go out and throw the football with Lamar Jackson when the defense knows he's going to be throwing the football. I think that's going to happen against the Chargers. I think they'll stack the line. I think they will not allow Lamar Jackson to beat them. I don't think they're going to let the Ravens run the football. The Chargers have certainly a top 10 defense. And as a result, I think Phillip Rivers has a chance down the stretch to potentially steal this MVP race. What do you think about that, Eddie? You'll be there on Saturday in person watching that. What do you feel? What's your read on this game? I think uh, Phillip Rivers is gaining momentum in the MVP talk, and we'll see how uh, he closes the year and how Mahomes closes the year, although I think Mahomes is a favorite. I think that was indicated in your poll that you had up yep. as well. Uh, as far as this game, I, I really think the Chargers are going to win. Um, I just lo- I love the way they're playing right now on both sides of the football. Um, their kicker seems to have figured things out as well, which was a, an issue earlier in the year. Their kicking game wasn't so strong. Uh, Melvin Gordon as, is going to play. I don't know if Keenan Allen's going to play, but Melvin Gordon is going to be back. So that'll be a big plus. I just don't think Baltimore has enough um, versatility offensively. If they fall behind in this game especially, uh, which I think that it's going to happen, they're going to have a hard time coming back. I 100% agree with all that. I mean, I think that is going to be the biggest takeaway is that when they get behind, they don't have the firepower to come roaring back. So – that is my uh, expectation as we roll into uh, into the weekend is that the Chargers are going to get that win and that they're also going to cover as a four-and-a-half-point uh, favorite. Why does that matter? If the Chargers win on Saturday, they are squarely putting all of the pressure on the Kansas City Chiefs in their game against the Seahawks, which won't be played until Sunday night. So I think the Chargers get an advantage here. They're a little bit like a golfer that gets to post a score and then gets to go kick their feet up in the clubhouse and wait and see how everybody else does as they come down the stretch. I actually think the Seahawks are going to beat the Chiefs too. I think the Seahawks at home, uh, Seahawks have an underrated off uh, defense. They're able to run the football, which I think keeps the ball away from the Chiefs' offense. I love what Russell Wilson has done this year. He's having the best year of his quarterbacking career. And as a result, I think that the pressure is going to be squarely on the Chiefs. Seahawks are kind of desperate to get a win, too, and go ahead and solidify their playoff uh, seating as well. They don't want to go into the final week of the season having to win to make the playoffs. They win this game, they are in. And I think the Chiefs are going to be under a lot of pressure come Sunday night with the Chargers already having posted that win. Now, it can go both ways. If the Ravens win that game, then things can really kind of change in a substantial fashion as well uh, because then you know if you're the Chiefs, hey, we got nothing to lose. All we have to do is split down the stretch. And even if we lose to the Seahawks, we're not in trouble. They can go out and play loose. But I think the Chargers are going to put pressure on them with that Saturday win. And as a result, I think there's a good chance the Chargers, by the time we come back into this show on Monday, are going to be the number one overall seed in the AFC and the Chiefs will have fallen to the five, which I think will also go a long way towards making potentially Phillip Rivers one of the top, if not the top, MVP candidates as we come down the stretch of the final game of the season. The other big game that's going on, I'll be at this one, is a Saturday afternoon game between the Redskins and the Titans. Titans are now favored to make the playoffs, even though they're the number eight overall team right now. 
double-digit favorite over the Redskins. Redskins have got the worst rush defense in the NFL in the last four games. Derrick Henry coming off a combo of 238 and 170 rush yards. I think he well goes for easily over 100 yards rushing. Titans get this win and set up what will be the Sunday night football game next week, uh, which I believe will be the Titans hosting the 9-6 and six Indianapolis Colts with the playoff berth on the line. Now, for the Ravens, we talked about the pressure on the Chargers, the pressure on the Chiefs. For the Ravens, this is kind of wild for them. If the Titans win and they're a double-digit favorite and the Colts win and they're a double-digit favorite and the Ravens lose and the Steelers were able to pull off an upset on Sunday, the Ravens' playoff chances are over. So I think you have to assume if you're the Ravens that the Colts are going to win and that the Titans are going to win because they're all both nearly double-digit favorites. It's a must-win game for the Ravens on the road, and it's also a must-win game for the Steelers on the road against the Saints, which is, I would say, the third most important game as we go into this weekend. Uh, The Saints need to win one out of their final two games in order to have home field advantage. If you're the Saints, you'd like to go ahead and get this done. If you beat the Steelers doesn't matter what happens in the final week of the season. We'll talk in the next segment uh, or maybe at the top of hour two about Cam Newton being benched and the overall impact of that. Um, But I believe that basically means the Saints know they're going to win in week 17. So maybe they come out a little bit flat against the Steelers. Steelers, meanwhile, are in the same place, uh, same boat as the Ravens. They not only could go from getting to host a playoff game, if they don't win their final two, they could fall all the way out of the playoffs in general. So There are a lot of different moving parts as we come down the stretch of the NFL season, particularly in those three games that I just hit you with that have implications on the playoffs in a substantial way on both different sides. The Steelers on the road against the Saints, Redskins on the road against the Titans. The Redskins, look, as bad as they have been and as unfortunate as they have been with injuries, with uh, Alex Smith, who spent basically a month in the hospital, just got home last week, from the hospital after all the surgeries he's had from his injury and also with Colt McCoy and his broken leg. Um, they're 7-7 seven and seven right now. If they were able to beat the Titans, look, the way this thing is shaken out, who knows what might happen. The Cowboys, obviously, with a big game as well against the Bucks, Not a two-way big game, uh, but they need to go ahead and get that win because you don't want to go on the road the final week of the season against the Giants with some uncertainty as to whether or not you're going to win the division or make the playoffs. We'll get into all that uh, in hour two. We're going to talk with Jeff Schwartz. He joins us, uh, former NFL offensive lineman. Uh, we will have a lot of discussion about the uh, playoff picture overall. But up next, a lot of you have been begging for it. A lot of you have been demanding it. It's probably the most popular thing we do on the show. It's the Animal Thunderdome. I'm Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Appreciate you spending your Thursday morning with us. Hope you're having a fantastic uh, walk up to the holiday weekend. I think there's a lot of people who are probably going to be taking off Thursday, Friday. Maybe you're already starting your travel, listening to us on podcast. Encourage you to download the podcast. Millions of you are doing it. Be a cool kid. Do it. And if you are, you got a lot more Animal Thunderdome to listen to. But right now, it's time for the most popular thing we do on the show. It's called the Animal Thunderdome. Cue the music, boys. (laughs) 
Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls. I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. I had a bullet constrictor stuck to my face. Sam, you have a what? This is Animal Thunderdome. What you got for me, Danny G? All right, Clay. Speaking of Christmas, police in Germany launched a pursuit when four zebras escaped from a Christmas circus and were running loose through the city's downtown. Investigators said the zebras escaped from this Christmas circus in Dresden and were spotted by multiple people running through the downtown area of the city, including past the Saxony State Parliament building. Valentin Lippmann, a member of the Saxony State Parliament, tweeted out a photo of the zebras running loose next to the river. They were rounded up and returned to the circus, but one of the animals died as a result of stress, and one officer sustained injuries from being kicked by one of the zebras, police say. Man, that's a tough, uh, <laughs> unexpected way to get injured on job in Germany, I would think, kicked by a zebra. And yeah. one of the animals died from stress? Yes, so... Uh, that's a tough break. Three were returned, one is a carcass. Well, it's a good, uh, good positive way to start off. All the kids out there, uh, all the kids out there headed into school. Uh, what else we got? Uh, I think we have a, a theme because police here closer to home in California say they finally were able to wrangle a goat that successfully crossed a busy highway and ran loose through the city streets of Oakland, California. Don't normally see goats running through the city in the hood in Oakland, but the California Highway Patrol in Oakland say they uh, spotted this goat Monday afternoon running on a ramp to Interstate 880 and it made its way to the highway median. The goat, it was like that video game Frogger, it was able to cross the southbound lanes of 880, a very busy interstate here in California. It made its way into the Jingletown neighborhood there. Troopers say the goat wandered through a store and managed to give its pursuers the slip until Officer Herman Beza was able to grab it by its horns, literally, just before 2 p.m. Wow. That is uh, that is unexpected indeed. All right, what else we got? All right, wildlife trappers in Florida say that they have captured a massive hog that in photos looks so big. I saw the picture of this, this hog. Yeah. yeah. I, the, the, the owner was like feeding it like ice cream and stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, people thought it was a bear on the loose. Professional trapper James Dean was called in two weeks ago when he was first. Uh, James Dean? Yes, that's, Back that's what I said, James Dean. <laughs> uh, Rebel without a cause indeed. James Dean said he was first told uh, about two weeks ago that this hog was the unusual size of a grizzly bear and tearing up sod at a playground near a school bus stop in Palm Bay, only in Florida, right? He says that he was sent a photograph by a witness of the animal so large that it scared him. He said, I took a dare trap out there with the, the pig being that size. Very seldom do you run into something that big. So what I did was I used hurricane straps to strap the trap down but the pig would not go into the trap at all after about a week and a half, he told Florida Today. Uh, Dean enlisted the help of some other trappers, hunters, and tracking dogs over the weekend to locate the hog. The pig tangled with some of the dogs before the men were able to hog tie it. So they finally caught this big thing. The picture of the hog is what really will overwhelm you. I mean, it's it's uh, it's the boss hog of hogs. Incredibly <laughs> small, shrunken, and fat. Um, I don't know how it's even walking on its four legs. Anything else? That's what I have this morning. Um, that is your Animal Thunderdome update. Now, there is a story about, and, and I need to pull this up on my phone if I can. We need to get Nawab Shafali Khan uh, on this. A leopard 
in India has uh, decapitated. This is a tough break. This is a tough story. Always hate when the kids are the victims, when the animals get them. A leopard decapitated a three-year-old after sneaking into a kitchen. The headless body of a three-year-old Indian boy was found Tuesday after the child was snatched from his home and dragged, I'm reading from the New York Post, and dragged into the woods by a serial killer leopard. The child uh, was with his mom when the animal snuck inside, pounced on him, and dragged him away. The killing was the third one blamed on the same leopard in the last two months. One of the other victims was an eight-year-old boy who was mauled. Uh, They are now trying to find it. Again, they need to get Nawab Shafali Khan out this. Uh, There are between 12,000 and 14,000 leopards in India, and uh, and these, uh, these things are on the rampage. Last week, did you guys see the story? I don't think we talked about it, but I remember I got this sent. By the way, you can always tweet us when you see these stories and make sure we don't miss them. Last week, a Buddhist month, a Buddhist monk was killed while meditating in a forest. Uh, it was the fifth attack in the month there. Uh, they don't know why the leopards are on the upswing, but they do believe, and this is crazy, the number of humans killed each year in India by leopards in the hundreds. In the hundreds. Think about that. You thought you had a rough drive into work this morning. If you were in India, hundreds of people a year are getting killed by leopards, including this now serial killer leopard, which is just sneaking into people's kitchens and grabbing kids and taking them outside. That is a, that is a wild story, an unfortunate story, but hundreds of people. See, your life could be worse. You could at any moment be killed by a leopard. Hundreds of Indians killed by leopards every single year. All right, we come back, top of hour two. We'll go a little bit more into the NFL playoff picture. Um, and we'll also get you ready for Jeff Schwartz. In particular, I also want to dive into this Cam Newton news. He's been shut down for the remainder of the year. All that and more. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Appreciate you guys spending your Thursday morning with us. Make sure you go download the podcast and don't miss anything at all as millions of kids and adults are doing across the country. Up next, Cam shut down for the year. What does it mean? We'll discuss on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. And we're brought to you by True Car. When it comes to selling or trading in your car, you need to make good choices. And with True Car, you've got a star on your roster. So when you're ready to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car. True Cash Offer, not available in all areas. You know, um, I am uh, fascinated by the story of Cam Newton in general. So I am a Cam Newton fan, um, and I have been for a long time since he came in at Auburn and just, uh, it was a crazy story about whether or not he had been paid or whether or not he had received compensation. And this is one of those things that I would acknowledge in retrospect, I was wrong on. And every now and then, I, I think it's important Uh, to examine whatever opinions you are and try to say, okay, do I still believe what I used to believe? And we're in one of these eras now where changing your mind is considered to be an awful thing. I think, I first of all, I change my mind all the time. You watch the television show, they make fun of me because every game to me is a new data point that requires me to re-examine what I might have previously thought. And 
that's maybe the lawyer in me because if you're a lawyer and you are arguing a case, every time a judge comes down with a new decision or you get a new fact, you have to immediately adjust and recalibrate whatever your argument might be to take into account of the changing dynamics. And so every single day, I am open to the idea, and certainly every single game, I'm open to the idea, hey, maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe I have been analyzing this incorrectly. And for those of you who listen to the show regularly, you know that I will point to Marshawn uh, Lattimore and what happened to him with his knee injuries as evidence of a moment for me when I was like, you know what, I think anybody who is focused on whether or not college athletes are getting paid outside of their scholarship or outside of their stipend is just wasting their time. And for me, I was like, back when Cam Newton was playing at Auburn, I was like, oh, you know, it's a big deal whether or not Auburn played Cam Newton, $180,000 whether ports are out there. And then I'm like, why do I care? Like, Cam Newton is going to be a really good player or he's not. And whether he got paid extra money to go to Auburn doesn't impact my enjoyment of watching him on the field. And similarly, whether a guy gets a new car to go sign with a team or whether he gets a better apartment or whether his mom or dad get the opportunity to get a better job than they might otherwise get, that's capitalism. If you have a talent, you want to sell that talent to the highest possible bidder. That's certainly what I try to do in my career. That's what I would imagine most of you try to do in your career. So it's always been a surprise to me how capitalists like me, people who believe in market-based economies, suddenly turn into Marxists when it comes to college athletics. And you're like, oh, no, no, no. You can't pay somebody to go play college football. Why not? So I you know, have come around to the fact that that obsession with whether Cam Newton may or may not have gotten paid was, I think, the sort of last gasp of the amateurism in college athletics. I think you've seen it really die out. And I'll talk with Wetzel about this, Dan Wetzel, Yahoo Sports National Columnist in Hour 3. I think you've really seen it die out with college basketball. We've got the FBI investigation into college basketball, which basically proves that every really good college basketball player in America just about has been getting paid to play college basketball for a long time. Doesn't matter where he went, what shoe it was, whether it's Adidas, Nike, Under Armour, whatever else it was, these guys and their families were getting paid. And you know what I think the collective response of college basketball fans has been? Eh, so what? I still enjoy watching the game. So Cam Newton to me has been fascinating for what he represented, that kind of litmus test in general. But he's also been fascinating on the field. And if you go back to his MVP season. When Cam Newton took the Carolina Panthers to the Super Bowl and he played against Peyton Manning, Carolina Panthers, Cam Newton was the MVP. It seemed as if he was prepared to take on the mantle that was eventually going to be passed from Tom Brady to Peyton Manning down to Cam Newton and he was going to become one of the major faces of the league. He was going to be a guy that you looked at for years and years to come. And frankly... I'm not sure whether that's going to happen now because Cam Newton is about to turn 30 years old and he really hasn't taken a step where he cemented himself as an elite-level quarterback in this league. And now, if you don't know, he has been shut down for the season and is not going to play 
against the Atlanta Falcons or the New Orleans Saints, the final two games of the season. If you watched Monday Night Football, this didn't really come as a surprise to you. In fact, if you listen to me, I told you on this show and on my television show, Lock It In, to jump on the Atlanta Falcons, who opened as a three-point underdog, and I said, Cam's not going to play. Before this news had even come out, I said, if you watched him play on Monday night, they are going to shut him down. His shoulder's not right. He needs to get well. And so that has officially happened. We have audio of Ron Rivera announcing that yesterday. Here's what it sounded like. When we start talking about medical things, I don't know. know I'm just, I'm just, again, I'm not going to get into that factor, okay? That's not up for me to, to determine. I'm not the doctor. I'm not going to be able to tell you all those things specifically, okay? You're asking me to speculate on something that I don't know, and it's not fair for me to do that, okay? I don't need people outside, you folks or anybody else outside, drawing conclusions and speculating. The people that know are the people that should be asked, not me. I'm telling you that right now. Ron Rivera getting a little feisty there. Not surprising considering the Panthers started at 6-2. and two and then uh, have lost six games in a row. Their season now over. Cam Newton out for the rest of the year. Here's what's significant about this. Like I said, Cam Newton is going to turn 30 years old as uh, he begins by next season. His 30th birthday is in May. By and large, and you guys can tweet me if you can think of a guy, can you remember a quarterback who suddenly became really good in his 30s that wasn't good in his late 20s. I want you to just think about that for a minute. And has been playing, right? That's the caveat. If you suddenly became good in your 30s and you hadn't been playing, then that's different. Most quarterbacks, by the time they reach 30, they have shown you what they are going to be, right? They have shown you what opportunity they have to be good. They have shown you what negativity they have that can be bad. And I would argue with you that Cam Newton has got a lot more mileage on him at 30 than the average NFL quarterback does because of the number of hits he's taken as a running quarterback. Now, on top of that, can you remember very many quarterbacks after the age of 30 who were still mobile? That is, they still ran regularly for first downs and they have been playing in the NFL for a long time. I'm going to go to the crew, but I'm giving them a couple of questions to think about here. The reason why I bring that up, if you look at Cam Newton's salary, next year he's on track to earn $23.2 million against the cap. The year after that, he's on track for $21.1 million. Not necessarily a massive number when you look at how quarterback salaries are accelerating, But I think the question the Panthers are going to have to ask themselves as they go into the offseason this year is this. Is it time to start to groom a successor for Cam Newton? Or is he a quarterback that we feel like we're comfortable with for the next five or six years? I just don't know that I see it. I don't know that I buy in. And there are only two years left on his contract. So Cam is only signed through two more seasons, 2019 and 2020. And then in theory, at the age of 32, he would become an unrestricted free agent. If you are a Panthers fan, are you convinced 
beyond the next couple of years that Cam Newton is your guy? Are we concerned at all, as I am, or are you concerned as all at all as I am, with the injuries adding up to Cam Newton and the question of whether he can be a consistent pocket passer as his legs become less and less of a weapon as he advances further into his 30s? I think Cam Newton is going to be a fascinating test case for what exactly his future is going to be. This season started off with so much promise, highest completion percentage of his career, but there are ominous factors in there too. His yards per attempt is down pretty substantially over the course of his career. You can argue if you want to make the bullish case for Cam Newton, well, he's never had great wide receivers, but look how good Christian McCaffrey was this year. Christian McCaffrey having a Marshall Falk-like year has been on the field for, I think, 98% of the offensive snaps for the Carolina Panthers, the highest number for any running back in the league. And yet, even with all that Christian McCaffrey brings to bear, both in the running game and in the receiving game, as a great security blanket for Cam Newton, they weren't able to put together very much success. So I want to poll the crew here as Cam Newton approaches 30, now that he has been shut down for the remainder of the year. Do you believe in Cam Newton in the future if you are the Panthers, or do you go out and draft someone young in uh, this year's draft when you figure there's a good chance you're going to be 6-10 and and be up towards the top of the draft? Now know that if you draft a young quarterback, it's basically an indictment of Cam Newton, particularly if you do it at the top of the draft. And we know that Cam hasn't necessarily responded very well to being challenged during his career. What would you do, Danny G, now that we know Cam is out for the rest of the year, will turn 30? Is he the guy for the next five years? Because I think that's the question you have to ask yourself if you're the Panthers. Is he your guy for the next five years? Wow, it's a tough call because... I feel like this is right on the border because we've seen what Cam is capable of, but these injuries have to concern Panther fans. I mean, what was it, 2016 when he had issues with his shoulder and that was an erratic stretch of his career. And then he underwent surgery in 2017 and uh, his problem this year, it, it comes from that same shoulder problem. So with that said, when you have a guy who his mechanics have always been questionable, I'm a fan of his too, but when you watch him play, he seems to always be kind of moving backwards as he's throwing off his back feet, and so he's got bad mechanics. He pulls the the ball down and runs often, obviously. With this shoulder problem he's had continuously, it's got to worry you moving forward because it boils down to the coaching, I feel. They had a glimmer of hope when Norv Turner was brought in, and it looked like his pocket presence improved a little bit but then he started to regress through the season and maybe that's due to the injury but if if he's not healthy he's going to continue to run and he's going to keep getting injured yeah look I mean Cam signed a 120 nearly million dollar contract he has already been paid out at the end of this year nearly 83 million dollars So he still has two years left on that contract and I think the answer is you probably, Uh, Hope he comes back healthy. He's your guy next year. But then, is it okay to go ahead and draft a guy? I think that's a a, a difficult question. Maybe they wait a year and see what happens next year. But I I think it's a really good question up for debate. 
What do you think, uh, Eddie Garcia? Well, I think maybe Andrew Luck gives uh, Panther fans some hope that even if it was a worst-case scenario where he'd have to have surgery and maybe even miss a, a large part of a season, that it is possible for someone who is – Andrew Luck's also 29 years old – so someone with the Andrew, same age. Yeah, it's a good point. I would just say Andrew Luck's ceiling, I believe, has been higher than Cam Newton's ceiling. Cam had one great year where he won the MVP. But if you look at every year kind of put together, Andrew Luck has been significantly better in his 20s than Cam Newton has. And I think Andrew Luck is a better passer, period. Certainly. Uh, but, but Cam is a very unique talent. Um, there's nobody really like him in the league with that you know, athleticism and size at the quarterback position. Cam's a freak. He's I, always been a freak physically. There aren't guys as big and strong as fast as him created very often, and certainly there haven't been any guys as big and strong as fast as him play quarterback. There's guys as big, but they usually aren't as athletic as he is. No doubt. I, I think if you're a good organization, you're always looking at the next step, you know, in the future, and I think Carolina has to think about that, but I think I would still be willing to give Cam a little bit more time uh, what about you, Dub? You're an Auburn guy, so obviously you probably have a lot of affinity for Cam over the years. He's going to turn 30 in May. He's out for the rest of this year. Is there reason for optimism in the belief that he could take the Panthers still back to the Super Bowl? And I think you got to give him a couple more years, but also at the same time, if you're the Panthers, I think it's totally fair if you start looking at quarterbacks in the draft because of all the starting quarterbacks that are you know established in the league – He's probably the last guy that you're going to think is going to play until he's in his high 30s or into his 40s like Brady and Rodgers, like we think they're going to do. I mean, he's going to have to evolve into a passing quarterback almost exclusively as he moves into his 30s, right? I mean, I don't think there's anybody out there who could argue that. And do you believe that he's capable of that? I just don't know. I think it's a really good debate. Um, and and I think it'll really get ratcheted up as we come into uh, the spring and starts to talk about what the Panthers might do because they're likely to have a fairly high draft pick. Maybe they go get a wide receiver and they say, okay, we're just going to go try to get another weapon for Cam. But the thing that would make me nervous, again, is that Christian McCaffrey had a Marshall Falk-like season this year. Almost impossible for a running back to do more for a team and as well for a running back to do more for his team out of the backfield, and yet it still didn't come together for the Panthers this year. I think that's tough. Uh, by the way, we're going to talk. We'll talk with Jeff Schwartz about this when we come back on the flip side, see what he thinks. He's in Charlotte. He should have a pretty good read on this. In the meantime, right now, Omaha Steaks is giving an amazing limited time offer to my listeners when you go to omahasteaks.com and enter the code TRAVIS into the search bar. You get 74% off Omaha Steaks family gift package, originally $195, now only $49.99. What do you get for that offer? Four top sirloin steaks, two pork chops, four chicken fried steaks. I had chicken fried steaks again last night from Omaha Steaks. Fantastic. Four Omaha Steaks burgers, four sausages, all beef meatballs, four perfectly browned potatoes au gratin, four made from scratch caramel apple tartlets. Plus, you get four more burgers for free. Omaha Steaks, fifth generation family-owned company with over 100 years of experience delivering perfectly aged beef hand cut by master butchers in Omaha. Again, get this limited time package for only $49.99 when you go to omahasteaks.com. Type Travis in the search bar and add the family gift package to your cart. Don't wait. Offer in soon. Go to omahasteaks.com. Type Travis in the search bar to send the Omaha Steaks family gift package 
today. This is Outkick, the coverage. Up next, Jeff Schwartz. He's in Carolina. We'll ask him about this. The NFL as well, and also he can gloat a little bit over his Oregon Ducks getting the number one uh, class outside of the SEC in all of college football. This is Outkick, the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. This is always a confident show. Let me bring in Eddie Garcia, and then we'll be joined by Jeff Shorts. All right, let's get to the Geico scoreboard, and we can tell you what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. It means you probably should have gone to Geico 15 minutes ago. On the NBA scoreboard, checking some games of note, the Rockets set an NBA record for three-pointers made in a game. They had 26 against the Wizards in a 136-118 victory. Jazz over the Warriors, 108-103, and the Suns surprised the Celtics, 111-103. Bucks take care of the Pelicans, 123-115. Raptors rally to beat the Pacers, 99 99- to 96 Toronto, the top team in the NBA, improves to 24-9 on the season. And the Thunder beat the Kings 132-113. to 113. Paul George had 43 points. And Russell Westbrook had another triple-double, 19 points, 11 rebounds, 17 assists for Oklahoma City. Top 25 college basketball, there were seven ranked teams in action. Six of them won, including number 3 Tennessee and number 5 Virginia. The one team that lost was in the top 10, number 7 Auburn, falling to NC State, 78-71. And in college football at the Frisco Bowl, it was Ohio shutting out San Diego State. 27 to nothing. This report is brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Back to Clay Travis in the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. We are indeed here in the Geico Outkick Coverage Studios. Joined now by Jeff Schwartz, former NFL offensive lineman. He played, I believe, with the Panthers, if I'm not mistaken, for several years. He lives in uh, Charlotte right now. We were just talking about Cam Newton being shut down, Jeff. He's going to be 30 in May. Would you go draft a new quarterback if you were Carolina and start preparing for a post-Cam Panthers? Or is he a guy you feel like, no, no, we've got him for the next five years. We have our franchise quarterback already. Oh, you must draft another quarterback. Look, we see New England every three years drafting a quarterback in the second, third, fourth round, right? I mean, you have to prepare for the worst. You have a guy who is, is 30 now. I mean, he injured his he injures his his shoulder at the end of the 2016 season. So he he was like it was on, I think it was on an interception return against the Chargers. Actually, uh, he got hit awkwardly and injured his shoulder. He played the rest of the season that year. He should have he should have shut it down. Like he did this year. Then he had offseason surgery. Then he came back last year, um, and then this year obviously he was done something again to it. It sounds like from just from just his quotes last week, and he finally opened up about it, that it might just be just general lack of strength in his shoulder, which is not good, obviously, um, as the season goes on to lose that, that general strength. So maybe some rest will help. But Tyler Holinsky, the backup, is not is not going to do it for them. Uh, it would be smart of them to – not they don't have to move off the camp, but you got to start figuring out what your plan B is. They never had a plan B, right? I mean, Derek Anderson was there forever. He's not – a viable plan B. He's a good backup quarterback, but you're right. It's now time to think about uh, moving, not moving off from camp, but at least having an option. Um, and then look what happens with Ron Rivera will play a big role in this, right? I mean, if he gets let go, a new coach might come in and, and might want to make a move even quicker. I don't know what Cam's situation is with the cap. I mean, he's got a big deal, obviously, but 
Cam's an interesting player, man. I mean, there's nothing nothing quite like him in the NFL. Um, and, you know, the, I think the, the toll of, of all the hits he's taken over his career are finally, uh, you know, we finally see them when you get older. If you were buying stock, would you sell Cam Newton right now as he prepares on being the age of 30? Do you think he has peaked? You know, it's a good question because the first eight weeks of the year, he was playing better than he was in 2015. I mean, his completion yeah. percentage was about 8% higher than usual. Um, his, his quarterback rating was, was really good. You know, his yards per attempt were down, which makes sense. He used to kind of be like a, a hit-or-miss quarterback. He loved to throw deep earlier in his career. I thought he was playing some really good football. So I don't think you have to sell your stock on Cam Newton, uh, but you might want to buy stock in someone else just in case, right? Um, uh, because I think that, that with this continued pattern of injury, especially in the shoulder, it's tough. And if you look, there's, if you look at what happened to Andrew Luck, they both hurt their shoulder kind of at the same time, and Luck sat out all of last season. Now, he had some setbacks that made sense. There's no reason to set Cam out. But we see that he, he had a full, a full recovery and a half, and we see what he's doing this year, and Cam just maybe never got quite the same recovery time. Um, but, no, I don't think you saw your stock in Cam. He was playing well. Uh, before we hear himself the pro bowl is a sham yeah when it comes to who makes the pro bowl and who doesn't make the pro bowl i know you've got some thoughts on it but (laughs) there are a bunch of names on the pro bowl list that i can't get over first of all how does christian mccaffrey not make the pro bowl right okay so i mean the guy had a marshall falk like year he only set out 21 snaps all season who are the guys that you think didn't make the Pro Bowl, and you're like, this is absurd that they weren't uh, weren't uh, included in this list. So I'll tell you generally how the Pro Bowl voting works. So we have the fan voting, and then I think that people forget that the coaches and players vote for this too. It's not just the fans. I've been in some heated arguments, at least in the offensive lines I've been on. We we have taken our time to vote for the defense. We vote for the offensive side of the ball, so we vote for yep. for D linemen in the in whatever conference we're in, and like we take the time to to do it. Now, I don't know how much time the coaches take. I mean, they're busy. They probably just fill out in two seconds and send it back in. And I've generally been of the opinion that fan vote, fan vote is actually not a big part of this whole process um, just because I don't think the NFL would, would do that, especially with bonuses involved in the Pro Bowl and things like that. I don't think they let the fans have that big of a say in how this goes down. Um, but it typically takes one year to get in. So like a guy like Christian McCaffrey doesn't get in this year. But and it's just lazy, right? Just lazy not to him in. But next year he'll get it. Same with Darius Leonard. Uh, but then you have my brother, okay? So my brother's the tackle for the, the Kansas State Chiefs, the right tackle. He's having like a historically good season in pass protection. He's allowed 19 pressures in 13 games, um, and or excuse me, 14 games. And you know, PFF, you want to knock him for the grades, and I do often. I mean, they calculate this stuff. I mean, he's having like an historic season for any tackle, not just right or left tackle, and yet. He was the this, this fourth alternate. He was the seventh guy voted to tackle. He took six left tackles in front of him. And you know, just from an offensive line perspective, you know, there's like the top like nine pass rushers, almost all of them rush over the right tackle. And we have to start looking at, at, at that position differently now, where we might have to move to where we have we take right and left tackles in the Pro Bowl. So maybe two uh, you know, two left tackles, two right tackles. We have to look at the way we view defense. We we have very rarely have four three defensive ends anymore. Uh, and we have you know D tackles now um, are, are kind of are kind of uh, different. You know, for example, a lot of teams play three four defenses, right? Well, a, a quote unquote D end in a three four defense is really a defensive tackle, and we vote 
we, we vote those defensive ends and three fours as rush defensive ends. It's not the same thing. So I think there just needs to be a general re- reclassification of how we, we view the Pro Bowl because football's different now, right? There's no position, like there's no slot wide receiver in the Pro Bowl. Well, everyone has a slot wide receiver. They play that 70% of the time now. So there needs to be a, 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 you know, a new way that we look at the Pro Bowl. Is there any way Aaron Rodgers and uh, Tom Brady should have been in the Pro Bowl if you're just looking at quarterback performance? No, that's kind of the point. Is it takes kind of a year to get out, and I think just people default to to the guys they know because they've done it for so long and they just assume they've had a good season. I mean, look, if you are, you know, you didn't play, let's say you didn't play Aaron Rodgers this year in the NFC, and you're looking at quarterbacks, you're like, oh yeah, Aaron Rodgers, of course, let's put him down there. Um, that, that's how that happens. It's, it's a little bit of laziness, and uh, you know, but those guys will back out, right? They'll find a way to not play this game, and and the guys that are on the list um, as alternates will will eventually get to play. You know, no way Aaron Rodgers will have an injury, and Tom Brady will just be too old to play in the game. I mean, they'll 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 find ways to get out, but the problem is is the bonuses. So you only get paid your bonus if you are on the team on the first vote. And I'll give you a good example of. A, a terrible situation for one of the guys I was with in 2012. Our center on the Vikings was getting a $500,000 bonus to make the Pro Bowl. It's the first try. And that year, Jeff Saturday, the, the center for the Colts forever, was on the Packers. He had actually been benched because he was playing so poorly that year. Like he just was over the hill. He was done. And he got benched about week 12 or 13. He made the Pro Bowl on the first vote, and our center was the first alternate. So he, he missed out on $500,000 over a guy who was benched who made the Pro Bowl. Yeah, that's brutal. That is really brutal. We're talking to Jeff Schwartz, <laughs> uh, eight-year NFL offensive lineman. Let's go into the games this weekend. You mentioned your brothers on the Chiefs. They go on the road against the Seahawks. How tough of a game do you think that is for the Chiefs, and how nervous should Chief fans be as that race for the number one overall seed in the AFC comes down the home stretch? Man, Chiefs fans hate me for this, but I think they lose this game. I've said, I said it, well, I didn't say it out loud before the Chargers game. I told my dad about it, but I just I, I think this is a, a bad spot for the Chiefs. Uh, Russell Wilson in his career is forty-two and twelve at home. Forty-two and twelve at home. He's lost to one AFC team. He plays two a year. He's lost to one of them at home. It was this year to the Chargers, who, by the way, have now won in Pittsburgh, Kansas City, and Seattle. Pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, and and. Uh, and uh, I just Seattle is a college environment. It is so loud, and the thing that's tough about Seattle is, and I've and I've been I played there twice. I've actually been up twice, like in the second quarter, by almost two touchdowns both times. And when when Seattle kind of makes their comeback, or they start hot in the game, they have a good drive. Like the crowd noise just builds and builds and builds. I call it an avalanche. It's just like it's you all at one point. You have a turnover, they score a touchdown. They have a three and out, you punt, and then they score a field goal. And all of a sudden, like it's just what just happened. The crowd's crazy. Mahomes has not experienced that yet. Um, and none of the Chiefs have. They haven't played in Seattle in eight years, so um, it's just it just comes it comes at you fast there. And plus, Seattle's a good football team. They do the things that the Chiefs aren't very good at. They run the football. They they committed to run the football. Chiefs are 32nd, 31st in rushing defense. So I think it's a bad spot for them, and it's how amazing they can fall all the way to the, the fifth seed um, with just two losses late in the year. 
what about the uh, – there are two games on Saturday, um, and the more, more competitive of those games, the Ravens going on the road against the Chargers. Do you think the Chargers get it done against the Ravens? I do. I've, I've said this for a couple of weeks now. I think Lamar Jackson, great story, I guess. I mean, but they played the five worst rushing defenses in a row. In a row. Yeah. And some of those rushing defenses also had miserable offenses where the Ravens' defense was able to take advantage of. The Chargers might be the most complete team right now in the NFL, at least the way they're playing. They get, they get Gordon back. Keenan Allen, I think, was playing this week as well. Um, and I think the Ravens are going to run into a buzzsaw this week. I think they're going to score probably about 17 points. They're going to give up 24, 28 points. I like the under in this game, uh, but I, I think the Ravens um, come out of San Diego, whatever, Los Angeles, I still say that, with a loss. The Titans play against uh, the Redskins. You worked on an offensive line for a lot of years. Uh, it's what you did. You ever remember a running back suddenly turning into a superstar <laughs> like Derrick Henry has the past two weeks? I'm befuddled. I've watched every game he's played, almost in college, I'm sure, and also in the pros. And then he comes out and he goes for 238, 99-yard run, looks like a different running back. And then last week, 33 carries, 170 yards. I mean, a quintessential Alabama performance. What's happened? Like, how does an offensive line, quote-unquote, get hot like this? How does a running back get hot? Have you ever seen something like this happen before? I mean, I think you only see it when schemes change. Like the Ravens, right? Like Gus Edwards, the scheme just completely changed. So, yeah, sure, that happens. But nothing's – Titans aren't doing anything differently. Um, one big game in a row, I get it. Uh, but, you know, you watch that Giants film and you mentioned the Alabama performance. It just was like – just grinded out yards, right? And eventually the defense gets tired. That's what the Titans want to be. Uh, and I think what's surprising about, you know, Henry, especially for the Giants who don't want to play the Titans ever, is just his speed. I mean, he is so big, but he can move. And we saw that often. The Giants just kind of thought they were in position and Derrick Henry kind of ran ran around them. I've never seen it before. Um, uh, a jump like this. Um, yeah, that game is, what, 10 points, I think, for the Titans. That's a lot of points. You can't bet that. You can't bet that line. Yeah, I think points. the reason why is because the Redskins have been the worst rush defense in the NFL over the last four weeks. So I think the expectation is that with the way Derrick Henry's running right now and the rhythm that he's going with, they're going to continue. What about the Steelers on the road against the Saints? Do you feel like the Steelers will get that win? Do you feel like they'll be competitive, or do you expect the Saints to go ahead and slam the door on the NFC playoff race? Well, I mean, look, the Saints are losing in this game. Uh, they don't lose very often at the Dome. Um, I saw a stat that Breeze is undefeated in the playoffs at home. Um, so that, that this first this home field advantage is going to be ginormous for the Saints. I think they win this game. I think it's six points. It's a lot of points, I feel like. But I think one thing we're overlooking with the Saints, their defense has been the best scoring defense in the NFL for the last five to six weeks. Yes. Um, and that, that's, I think it's going to provide some problems for the Saints. The Superdome is a hostile place to play. I, I love playing there, but it is, it, it, those fans, uh, they, they, they drink a lot. They get after it. Um, and I think this, I didn't, if I were to pick a side here, I'd probably take the Saints. Um, but they're going to win this game no matter what. I don't know if they cover or not, but they're going to win this game. Do you believe that the Vikings and the Seahawks will close it out and win the NFC and, and uh, wild card spots? Yes. Um, the Eagles are a wild card. The Eagles, I think, lose this weekend to the Texans. I'm shocked, dude. The, the Texans are, are underdogs. Like, people keep betting the Eagles. Nick Foles is a backup quarterback still. Do you remember that? Like, I, I don't. 
last year what he did was remarkable, but he, he hasn't played terribly well this year until last week, and the Rams are kind of like dead. I mean, he had a play last week where somehow two Rams, um, I mean, two Eagles uh, receivers just got behind him. Like, that's not normal. Most defenses don't play, don't have busts like that. I can't, I think Texans win this game, but I think the Eagles are, are a, a sneaky team because if they win this weekend, let's say, then they play, I think the Redskins, they'll beat them. I mean, they could get in as well. Uh, but I think you're pretty much looking at the Vikings and see. I mean, the Seahawks are in for sure at the five seed, and they want to be the five on seed and play the Cowboys. Um, but I think Eagles are Vikings, yes. Uh, all right, and uh, quickly here, you can gloat on Oregon with uh, probably their highest-rated uh, signing class oh, of all time. Yeah, yeah, fifth. Uh, right now it's fifth. Obviously, there's um, a way. To, I'll tell you what. The, the best thing we did yesterday was, I mean, has a Pac-12 ever taken a defensive lineman that Alabama, Florida State, and Florida want? I mean, that that to me was was pretty amazing. I know he's a West Coast kid, he's, and, and that's something that really excites me because you know, out west, we we need defense. If you can play defense, and there is actually some really good defense in the Pac-12. I think people uh, look at their offenses, but Cal and Utah and Washington play defense. That that fired me up. We got number one offensive line um, recruit, um, uh, JUCO kid. We got we got big boy, the rapper, his son out of Atlanta, I think too. Um, so it, we we recruit all over the place. It's it's to be fifth. I'll just say this lastly. Like, I think people have gotten accustomed to Oregon being good and we have been um, before 95 we had eight we had four a1 seasons in our in our in, in the school's history it's a tough place to recruit in Eugene I mean there's not not a lot of talent in Oregon obviously California you got to deal with with USC and the Arizona schools and and you know some of the some of the the big 12 schools coming in there and taking kids away even as I gotta I gotta bump you off here because I got a hard out but congratulations okay. on the well recruiting class we come back we'll recalibrate reset that recruiting class rankings this is outkick the coverage be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. It's easy to save. All you need to do is call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Um, this is Outkick the Coverage. Appreciate you spending your Thursday morning with us. Uh, you heard talking uh, us there at the end with Jeff Schwartz about the college football recruiting class rankings. Um, yesterday was the official signing day. About 88% of the overall top 250 recruits in America signed. Still 12% out there. The ratings could change a little bit. But by and large at the top, it's unlikely they change very much. And the top five in college football, Alabama number one, Georgia number two, Texas A&M in the third spot, and LSU in the fourth spot. Oregon, as you just heard us talking with Jeff Schwartz, sliding in at number five, the most dominant collection of talent the SEC has ever put together. If you thought the SEC was good at football already, you ain't seen nothing yet. 11 of the top 23 classes were from the SEC. Putting it in perspective, Ole Miss was 23rd in the nation, according to the 24-7 composite index. That was good enough to have them 11th in the SEC, 7th in their own division. That's how many good players were brought in. 11 of the top 23 classes in America were from the SEC. And uh, Ole Miss, like I said, you think you did pretty well. Hey, we're a top 25 program, top 25 class. Yeah, good luck. You lost ground against everybody else in the SEC. So, 
uh, as a part of uh, those recruiting class rankings, every coach comes out and he says, you know what, I'm going to analyze my class. And by the way, the recruiting class signing day is a lot like the NFL draft. Nobody ever comes out and says, yeah, you know what, I think we blew it. If you hear from every coach the day after the draft, they always think they've done incredible. The same thing is true of every coach on signing day. They never admit the ones they got away or the fact that they didn't close the way they wanted to. Everything is always happy-go-lucky and a spectacular result, even when, as is the case oftentimes, you didn't put together the class you had hoped to put together. Well, what about uh, Coach O? He addressed the media after signing day at LSU, and he did it from a football field with just a banner up behind him, and uh, there was a little bit of uh, noise in the background, and that did not make make Coach O happy. If you want a good laugh, go watch this video. If you don't want a good laugh, you can just listen to the audio, and you'll probably still laugh. Here's what it sounded like yesterday at LSU. John Embry, another, another great young man from Destrehan, Louisiana. Hold on a second. Hey, guys! Hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. Uh, great young man. So proud that we have him. Uh, great parents. And uh, we feel like we got two of the best backs in America. We're excited about it. We had to fix the line of scrimmage. We wanted to get bigger. I'll stop. Hey, stop the balls. Stop the drill. I'm having a press conference. Thank you. That is Coach O interrupting his press conference, wearing an LSU polo, by the way, walking out behind the podium, stepping out behind the big uh, LSU banner that they put up behind him. And you can watch the camera just pan out, and there's some guys in his uh, program working out in the football facility, and uh, he's just screaming at them. And God, Coach O, just such a cartoon character, so perfect for, uh, for college football. By the way, LSU going up against UCF. If you're paying attention to the bowl game so far, uh, we're 2-0 and this week on our bowl game picks. But, man, there have been a lot of ugly games so far. Uh, last night, big win for um, Ohio. Got the 27-0 win over San Diego State. But almost every bowl game, with the exception, I think, of Eastern Michigan against Georgia State, has been a blowout so far. There have not been a lot of reasons to watch those games um, but uh, but we'll see whether or not that improves as we go into the weekend and certainly with the games picking up as we move through Christmas. All right, when we come back, top of uh, hour three, we're going to talk about the NFL playoff picture, who stands ready to make a move, who do we think is going to end up in the playoffs, and I'm going to tell you exactly what I think the matchups will be two weeks out, all right? My prediction for exactly what the NFL playoffs will look like, I'll give them to you. Uh, as we head into the final two weeks of the season, all that and more. I'd also encourage you, go download the podcast. Thanks for spending your Thursday morning with us, as so many of you do. This is Outkick, the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. All right, um, we had the college football national signing day yesterday. Of those of you waking up across the country, not a surprise. The SEC, the nation's best football conference, got even better. 11 of the top 23 classes, including the top four. Top five that came in according to the 24-7 composite index. Bama won, Georgia two. Uh, we've got uh, A&M in the third spot with Jimbo Fisher getting on a roll. LSU in the fourth spot. You just heard Coach O's. Incredible press conference there. 
uh, and Oregon sliding in at number five. As we head into the weekend in the NFL, two games remaining. The uh, NFL playoff race is in an uproar. I'm going to tell you right now exactly how it's going to play out. All right? Thursday before the final two weeks of the season, I am going to predict the best of my ability, and it's going to be flawless, exactly what the final playoff uh, seedings are going to look like in both the AFC and the NFC. So here we go. I'm going to break these down. This is going to be flawless. I'm going to tell you the wild card matchups and how every game will play out the rest of the way. We'll see how I do. On Monday, we will reassess and see if my uh, predictions are still in order. I think the number one team in the AFC is going to end up being the LA Chargers. I think the Chargers are going to beat the Ravens this weekend, and I think the Chiefs are going to lose on the road against the Seahawks. As a result, that would put the Chargers into the one spot as we come into the final week of the season. I think they will then beat the Denver Broncos, who are effectively going to have nothing to play for. I think the Chargers will win the AFC and the road to the playoffs in the Super Bowl in the AFC will run through the StubHub Center and their 27,000-seat stadium. Chargers, my number one overall team. Number two team. I think the Patriots are going to find a way to get to number two. I think they will beat the Bills. I think they will beat the Jets. I think they will finish 11-5. and And I think they will pass the Texans, who I believe will lose this weekend to the Eagles. So my top three, and then I think the Texans will beat the Jags to finish off the season and win the AFC South. My top three prediction in the AFC, Chargers, Patriots, Texans. In the four spot, I think the Steelers get it done. I think both the Steelers and the Ravens lose this weekend, but I think the Steelers will win. They will beat the Bengals, whereas I actually think the Ravens will also lose to Baker Mayfield and the and the uh, Browns to finish out the season. I think the Ravens end up out of the playoff with two straight losses. Steelers go 1-1. One and one. Even if they went 0-2, if the Ravens lose both, the Steelers would still win by a half game. So I've got the Steelers as the winners of the AFC North. In the five spot, that means that the Chiefs, who uh, I think, again, if you've heard me talk on this show, I think the idea that we reward division champs with home playoff games automatically is absurd. I think the Chiefs in the five spot uh, should be the number two overall seed. Instead, they fall all the way to the five because they lose to the Seahawks. And so I've got the Chiefs in the five spot. And then I believe the final playoff spot will come down to a Sunday night special game in Nashville between the Indianapolis Colts, who I believe will beat the Giants this weekend to get to nine and six, and the Tennessee Titans, who I believe will beat the Washington Redskins this weekend to also get to nine and six. The Titans will beat the Colts, finally beat Andrew Luck in Nashville at night to finish off the season. The Titans get your sixth seed. So my overall AFC predicted playoff wildcard matchups would be the Titans going on the road against the Texans in the three versus six matchup. Houston would get to host the Titans, be the third time those teams have played. They have split so far. The Titans won in Nashville. The Texans won in Houston. And then I believe the Chiefs uh, would then go on the road against the Steelers. That would be the wild card in the AFC. All right, these are my predictions for the way that the NFL season is going to end. Then, when you go into the NFC, 
the number one overall seed, Saints. They're going to beat the Steelers this weekend. They will then have the number one overall seed locked up. The Saints would not have to leave the Superdome uh, remainder of the season. They got two games in uh, New Orleans to finish. They can rest everybody the last week if they want to. And then they will have two home games in the Superdome if they need them. And then they would go to another dome in Atlanta. The final five games of the year for the Saints will all be indoors. Nothing to worry about uh, from the environment. And uh, I think a dome team will play well in a Superdome uh, as well as the Atlanta Mercedes Dome. In the two spot, I think the Rams, they beat the Cardinals. I think they managed to hold on to the number two spot in the uh, NFC. Third spot, the Bears. Bears are going to be your three seed. Cowboys will win this weekend against the Buccaneers to lock up the NFC East. I think they will be your four seed. In the five spot, I think I told you, the Seahawks beat the Chiefs to lock up the number five spot. And then the Minnesota Vikings fight their way into the number six spot in uh, the playoffs. That means that the uh, NFC playoff picture is going to look like this. Vikings on the road against the Bears. Third matchup will be back-to-back weeks that the Vikings and the Bears will play because the Bears will go to Minnesota to finish off the season, and then the Seahawks will travel to the Cowboys. Those two teams mirror images of each other. It'll be a brutal, nasty game. I actually like the Seahawks already to upset the Cowboys on the road and get the win in the wild card round. So my wild card matchups, this will be, what are we, like basically three weeks from this weekend, right? Three weeks from this weekend. We got two regular season weeks left, and then we'll be into the wild card week. I believe we'll be watching Titans play at the Texans, the Chiefs play at the Steelers, the Vikings play at the Bears, and the Seahawks play at the Cowboys. Those are my fearless predictions of the NFL playoff picture. Any immediate reactions, Danny G? So you have the Titans getting in over the Colts? Yeah, beating them on the they're both okay. I would be very surprised if it's not a 9 and 6 versus 9 and 6 team with basically that being a playoff matchup in Nashville yeah. Sunday night, not this weekend but next weekend. I am a huge fan of Derrick Henry and love what he's done the past few weeks, but I think the Colts are going to stay hot as I predicted last week and get in. Also, I don't think the Chiefs are going to necessarily lay down and let the Chargers take over the number one spot. I'm, I don't think they're going to lay down. I think it's just hard to go on the road and win in Seattle. And I oh, think they I, I do too. Game. I do too. But I, but I think the Chiefs are going to suck it up and play better than what their defense has showed lately. So I, I think the Chiefs are going to. Is that going? Is that an upset if they beat Seattle in Seattle? Right now, the line is two and a half. So the Chiefs are a two and a half point favorite. Okay. So I'm call. I mean, to the extent that a two point line is an upset one way or the other, and it is a little bit, but I'm I'm picking the Seahawks to win that game. Eddie Garcia, how would you break this down? Uh, I don't have much problem with it as well. I I I am very curious to see uh, if the Chargers can get that number one seed or not. The Steelers, I I do. I wasn't very optimistic before they played the Patriots. I'll be honest with you, but after that win, uh, I, I do agree with you. I do think the Ravens will lose in L.A., and I think the Steelers will as well, uh, lose to the Saints, but uh, I think Pittsburgh bounces back and gets that win against Cincinnati. Yeah, I think it's a lot better to have the Bengals to finish off right now than it is the Browns, who, by the way, the Browns are an eight-and-a-half-point favorite over the Bengals right now. Hugh Jackson going in for another beat down there. Dub, your thoughts on my uh, wild-card predictions here? No issue here, and uh, I cannot wait for that. Colts Titans matchup week 17 because I think you're right I think both teams will have the same record at nine and six 
and that will be a playoff game, and that's going to be a heck of a game to watch to see who actually gets in. It'll be an electric environment. If you're just a casual fan out there and um, you, you know, you're kind of sitting around on that Sunday night football game, they will flex a game. So they will wait until they see how all of the uh, playoff picture is set up. But the only game that could be played that is a default playoff game, I mean, really, that is a playoff game, right? You play 15 weeks, and then that game effectively starts the playoff for both teams. Really, both teams have been in the playoffs for a while because they've had to win out to even put themselves into a position to make the playoffs. And so we'll see whether or not they can continue to uh, to, to win out. But yeah, I mean, it is going to be a uh, a battle, and there's no way that uh, that that game is not deciding the playoffs in uh, in some form or fashion. So I think it's going to be an incredible uh, incredible setup there. Roberto, any thoughts? Yeah, uh, I think the Colts will get in, and your, your Titans are going to be left off the the playoffs. Clay, I'm sorry to tell you. And yeah, I, I think the Titans will actually be favored by a couple of points in that game, uh, notwithstanding their their futility against Andrew Luck over the years. But um, I, I agree with you. I, th- I think the I think the Chargers will end up with the number one, and the Chiefs will will have to play in the, during the wild card round. Okay, so good stuff there. I want to give a shout out to Ryan Duke, this loser at Duke uh, GSU. He's upset with me because I was talking about the uh, college uh, bowl games. He said it's Georgia Southern, you idiot. How hard is it when you work in sports to read the scoreboard? Georgia State is a joke of a football team. So for everybody out there who was troubled by my confusion between Georgia State and Georgia Southern off the top of my head, not remembering who played against Eastern Michigan, my deepest, most abject, humble apologies for mixing up Georgia State and Georgia Southern. How how in the world... Could I ever have made that error Clay. off the top of my head? I don't know. You got to take the show away from me. I Your think. broadcasting career just ended. Over. Ryan Duke, I'm sorry. I'd like to personally apologize to you. I'm sorry for being such an idiot that I could get Georgia State and Georgia Southern mixed up off the top of my head while running through all the bowl games that have taken place so far. My humblest, most abject apologies to everybody out there who was deeply offended by that error on my part. Uh, when we come back, Dan Wetzel will join us. Um, and uh, we will talk about all of the NFL playoff picture as well as what he thought about recruiting and signing day in general, Uh, plus uh, many more uh, issues as we dive in here, Uh, and we'll ask him a little bit about this Justin Fields decision as well, Uh, the top five-star quarterback who is reportedly going to transfer from Georgia and what he thinks about that. In the meantime, using TrueCar, you can easily find the car you want. With True Price from TrueCar, you can avoid the confusion you encounter online by getting a great price you can count on before you ever visit a dealership. The True Price includes all dealer fees and accessories. TrueCar will show you what other people in your area paid for the car you want. Now you know what a fair price is, so you can feel confident, and your certified dealers know this. So they set their True Price competitively so they can win your business. Over 3 million cars have been sold to TrueCar users by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. There are over 15,000 TrueCar certified dealers nationwide. TrueCar users save an average of over three grand off MSRP. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. When we come back, Dan Wetzel, Yahoo Sports national columnist, and we'll continue to dive into the NFL and the college football signing day uh, extravaganza. This is Outkick Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. We're brought to you by TrueCar. When it comes to selling or trading in your car, you need to make good choices. And with TrueCar, you've got a star on your roster. So when you're ready to sell or trade in your car, 
Check out True Car, True Cash Offer, not available in all areas. Uh, we're going to go now to Eddie Garcia, find out what's shaking the world of sports. Let's hit the Geico scoreboard from the NBA. The Rockets beat the Wizards 136-118. to Houston setting an NBA record in the process, hitting 26 three-pointers. That's the most ever made in a single game. The Jazz surprised the Warriors 108-103, to and the Suns shocked the Celtics in Boston 111-103, just the eighth win of the year for Phoenix. Bucks over the Pelicans 123-115. Raptors rally past the Pacers 99-96 Toronto now a league best 24-9 on the season and the Thunder beat the Kings 132-113 Paul George had 43 points and Russell Westbrook another triple-double 19 points 11 rebounds 17 assists in the win for Oklahoma City top 25 college basketball seven ranked teams were in action six of them won including number three Tennessee and number five Virginia the one team that lost seventh ranked Auburn falling at NC State 78-71 and in college football in the Frisco Bowl it was Ohio shutting out San Diego State 27 to nothing. The support brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Back to Clay Travis in the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. It is indeed the Geico Outkick Studios, where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800 947 AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Dan Wetzel joins us now, Yahoo Sports national columnist. Dan, you're a little bit of a recruiting junkie too, or at least you love signing day. Do you feel like the early signing day now that happens in December feels differently than one that happened in February, or do you enjoy it just as much? You know, I I don't enjoy it as much, and I'm going to tell you why. It's pretty much the same now, um, which I – predicted many times when they were trying to say, oh, just a few kids will commit. Everyone's going to commit. Um, it, it's that I'm not just just dying for college football right now, right? There's bowl yeah. games. There's the playoffs. There's all sorts of stuff to be excited about. There's, you know, hiring. We just have enough. And that it was that it was just that glimmer of something in February. Yes. <laughs> you were just desperate. Because it had been a month, and then all of a sudden you start giving a crap where some kid from, you know, Clarksdale, Mississippi, is he going to choose Auburn or is he going to choose Mississippi? You know, and you really care. And then you never hear about the kid again. No, it's, <laughs> it happens so often. That So I think that's it. It's, it's why hot stove, it's why the draft in the NFL is so big. Like, they could hold the draft in, in on February uh, 12th or in January even, right? But it, it's not the same. I think the NBA draft, is, as much as people love and I do like the NBA draft, but like right after the final. So I just think you, that's it. That's why it's not quite as good. But it's basically the same deal now. It just sneaks up on us. You know, it, it's the argument that I've made, and this obviously is something I think about a lot because I'm on for three hours every morning, 15 hours a week in addition to the television show. They need to have like a czar of the American sports calendar so that we can spread out all of the good things because it's not really evenly distributed, right? There are lots of months where I'll sit down and I'll hop on the radio with the producers and everything else. And I'll be like, oh, so anything to talk about today? They'll be like, nope, literally yeah. zero interesting sports news. And you're like, all right, we got three hours. Let's, let's make it happen. Let's get on the treadmill and let's uh, start jogging. Um, and I feel like fans certainly understand that too, whereas there's lots of days where we come in and there's like 10 stories that we could hit and we could spend a lot of time on, and then other days there are none. And I feel like signing day is one of them. Like if you made signing day when it's in February, 
it's oftentimes that week of the Super Bowl where there's a couple of weeks that not much has gone on and you finally got something happening. And so now putting it in the middle of December right before Christmas, it's like there's too much going on right now. It's hard to keep track of everything. Um, and you're mentioning you liked uh, signing day. I want to give a shout-out, by the way. Uh, this is pretty cool. You remember my book, Dixieland Delight. It came out a decade ago. Right. On page 114 of that book, there is an eight-year-old kid who is going to a University of Tennessee football game that I spent some time with his family. That kid is now 18 years old, and he's grown up and turned into a four-star offensive lineman who yesterday signed with the University of Tennessee. His name is Jackson Lampley. His dad, Brad, was a lineman at Tennessee too. But that's how old I'm getting now. An eight-year-old in my book is now a four-star kid, and I went to his celebration at his house last night uh, for signing day, which was pretty cool to see, like, his evolution from, you know, whatever he was, like a second grader or a third grader yeah. then when the book came out, makes you feel old to think how much he's changed and how little I've changed in the last decade. Uh, uh, but I do love signing day. Do you think... I, uh, I first met Sean Livingston when he was 10. <laughs> there you go. And, and now he's a veteran. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that is absolutely perfect. I mean, when you cover sports for a living, yeah. like it definitely because athletes have such a more uh, rapid, you know, like mortality rate, right, in terms of their athletic right. career. You're 35 and you're an athlete. You're, you know, over the hill. You're just now old enough at 35 to get elected president in most life. You know, most 35-year-olds are just starting to move into, you know, the good part of their career. A uh, 35-year-old athlete is basically done. Um, do you think the you, – you have a good column that I read about the Pac-12 and the degree to which it's falling behind the rest of college football – how ominous is the Pac-12's decline as a quote-unquote major Power Five conference? Well, I, you know, I think one one recruiting class or you know a couple of recruiting classes aren't necessarily are killing you, but it was not what I consider a very good year for the Pac-12, which usually does pretty well. And part of that is USC is not recruiting at its level, although they still may get a couple guys, you know, and, and UCLA. So all the caveats are in there. But look, you need to get players. I mean, you just yeah. My favorite is these, these coaches and stuff. We we don't we don't need five stars. They're idiots. They're liars. Yeah, it's, it's totally like wrong. An NFL team saying we're not going to draft in the first two rounds. Yeah, we're going to trade back and just get a bunch of third and fifth rounders and develop and take them. Our sh- Tom Brady's a fifth round. You know, yeah. Of course, it can happen. But if you look at the playoff, okay, Alabama's average recruiting ranking per rivals the last four years is 2.5 they're set they came in you know between second and third that's their average okay uh oklahoma's like 8.7 clemson's 10 and notre dame's 12 but you have to have at least two top 10 teams to even compete in in college basketball it's the same way if you ever look you need two to three pros two two and a half nba players to win the title okay and people what about butler yeah they had gordon haywood they had uh, that was the other kid, uh, another kid who played in the league. Like you got to have them. You may not know them at the time, but you can't win without players. So it's so dumb. So you need players, and and I look at recruiting as like, and, and any football game, NFL or college, most of the players on the field are interchangeable. Okay, your three stars are not better than these three stars. No one's got any idea which three stars are better, but the five stars make a difference. And, and, and it's, if you're Alabama, you don't have three stars, you have four stars. So you're already ahead of the curve. But yesterday, 
the SEC signed 14 five-star players. The ACC signed three. The Big Ten signed three. The Big 12 signed three. The Pac-12 signed one. Those are your guys that, are they all going to pan out? No. But, man, I'll take my chances with them. And that's where you look at the Pac-12 and you go, why are the top, why did one top 55 kid and rivals even sign there? That's it, one kid. Where are these players in L.A. going? Five of the top ten players in the state of California left the area. Now, if you go back, historically, they signed eight, nine, ten out of ten of the top ten kids in California stay in the Pac-12. The best quarterback in California signed with South Carolina. Uh, you know, it's not even like, hey, I get it. He wants to go be the QB at Alabama or Clemson or something. And so there are big problems in the Pac-12, and they are numerous. USC's decline. UCLA is not recruiting at a real high level right now per this. Chip Kelly will tell you he can find his guys. Maybe he can. He's got a track record of that. The Pac-12 network doesn't do really well. And then I think the more times you miss a playoff, the more it affects recruiting at that high level because these kids don't sit back. They don't have a frame of reference of 10, 15, 20 years of watching college football. They have a reference of two or three years. And so when you're the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and you're missing the playoff every year, and somebody can come in from the SEC and say, hey, look, we get two teams in sometimes. You want to play for a national title? Of course I do. Who doesn't? Don't go there. I ain't even in the playoff. Come play for us. And that is a big recruiting deal when you talk to high school coaches or these recruiting analysts. Say That's a big deal. And the kids say, hey, forget it. I can go anywhere in the country. I'm going to go to the SEC. I'm going to, I'm going to look at Notre Dame. They, they, have, they have a record of getting in there. And – you saw the SEC come up and get a number of good players from, from the Midwest again. I just think that's a huge factor in what. So once you start falling behind, then you don't get the great recruit, and you fall back, find, fall further behind, and it's just a recurring cycle. Stat out there for people who are the anti-recruiting uh, Knicks out there who want to be conspiracy theorists and argue that you know you can just develop players. Of the teams that have won national titles going all the way back to 1996, when you look at recruiting databases, only Oklahoma in 2000 has won a national championship without at least two top 10 recruiting classes in the previous four years. And by the way, Oklahoma had four straight top 25 recruiting classes before they did that. A lot of them were in the teens. They just weren't in the top 10. So it's becoming even more important because I think the recruiting class rankings are getting better year yeah. after year after year. They're better at identifying at rivals and 247 and Scout and ESPN, all these places. They know who the talent is in the world of football, and so they get better with their databases year after year. So uh, this year, for instance, you got four teams in the playoff. Notre Dame, two top ten recruiting classes in the last four years. Uh, you've got uh, – with uh, with Oklahoma, you've got two top 10 recruiting classes in the last four years, and Lincoln Riley is substantially increasing the overall quality of their three uh, classes, three from Clemson, four from Alabama, all in the top 10. So it's not a coincidence. Only 12 schools had two or more top 10 recruiting classes, so the number is actually not that substantial out there. Um, let's go uh, – let's pivot a little bit here – to the NFL. Well, actually, I want to ask you about college football playoff again. Jim Delaney yeah. comes out and says that he might be in favor of an 18 playoff. 
if I gave you over under five years, would you take the over on an 18 playoff in five years or the under? Boy, it's tricky. I'm going to take the under. Um, this can move really quickly because it's not that. There's really one big domino to fall, and that's convincing the SEC to give up its its conference, its conference title game. And then they can solve this problem in about a, a couple of days. They won't. They'll take years and lots of meetings in five-star hotels in Florida in the middle of February to do it. But um, Delaney's a huge that that's that's a huge one. That domino is 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 the big one, and like the only one left that really needs to move is the Pac-12, and that's part of that column. Is if you're Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott, you need to be looking at all the things that help recruiting, and one of them is why the heck would you want to stick with a playoff plan that's killing you on the recruiting trail? You know, like if you're if you're the Pac-12 right now, you should be in panic mode, going why did why didn't we get enough players? Instead, I don't. I think that these commissioners go, ah, recruiting, whatever. It's like, well, these are your players. This is how you get there. Anyway, um, I think it can happen quickly. I wouldn't put money on it because they're just slow bureaucrats. But Delaney's interest in this, and believe me, when he's saying let's discuss it, it means I'm ready to go because this isn't that hard of a discussion. Like I can write the whole playoff. I, every year I write the, the 18 playoff plan. It takes 880 words. All right, it's just not that complicated. So that was a big one. If you have him and the Big 12 and the Pac-12 come in, and, and of course these smaller conferences are going to go for it, you, you know, you can really start putting a lot of pressure in the ACC's like, what the heck, you're really just down to the SEC. And, and I don't think they're opposed to it because they could end up with two to three teams every year in the playoff. And they could be sitting at two home games a year. Um, it's a great deal, I think, for the SEC. They just got to, you know, uh, twist a few arms and say, hey, we're giving up our weekend in Atlanta every year, which is which is a great thing. I wonder on some level whether they could play the SEC title game and continue, and that's that's the response is, look, we, we want to continue our game because it's a huge moneymaker. We think it's great, and then we'll go ahead and play our game, but – you guys can uh, cannot have your title games if you don't want them, right? I mean, I think it could... it's it's a, it's the calendar, right? When do you put yeah. that game in there? Well, it's I think that, then, that then you weekend. would get into uh, to me, and and I don't know when you would ideally play it. I would ideally play the uh, quarterfinal round if you were going to have an eighteen playoff around December fifteenth, right? Like halfway through December when you got kind of that dead zone right. in college football, and then I think you could continue with the lineup that we have right now, maybe you bump back the title game itself another week or something like that. I don't think that would be a major issue because they play it on Monday, so I don't think it's that big of an issue when that's played. But you could theoretically still play the semifinals right around uh, you know, New Year's Eve, and you'd still have two weeks between each game, right? You'd have two weeks uh, after the SEC title game and then two weeks after the quarterfinals before you got to the semifinals which would seem to me to be plenty of time to fit it all in. Well, yeah, I guess you have exams, and, and I understand the argument of exams, but I'm going to be honest with you. When you were putting the kids basically in the NCAA tournament on the road for the entirety of March, I think it's hard yeah. to argue, hey, we can't have exams and also play a, a college football game. I'll tell you what the hurdle is, actually. The exams are, are – that's, that's like – you know, they used to come up with those, you know, the bowl system would die. Remember they used to say yeah. that? There's 40 bowls. Yes. 
is not dying. They keep adding bowls, which we which we knew. But um, I once offered, if you put the playoff in, I'll buy all the bowls because they're cash cows. You can't lose money on a bowl game. But uh, the issue, actually, of all things, is like is December graduations on campus. Oh, that's intriguing. You can't have so. As much as you say, hey, play the Alabama game on December 5th. Alabama hosts a playoff game on December. They go, dude, we got graduation. So, and, and, it, and like, okay, I get that one, right? Can't really move that because you don't know whether you're going to be in a playoff. So, there are things, you know, that's, that's the makeup of it. Can you, can you get that one hurdle cleared? Um, and then there's, do you want to have the kids playing an extra game? These guys are all sensitive to that and getting called, you know, how much money do you need and all that. So it's a lot easier without these conference championship games. And I know this was a great SEC title game, and I have been to many SEC title games, and it is a cool event. But two of the last, like a lot of years, they're nothing. They're, they're not that good. It's Alabama playing a, an overmatched East team, and it's really not that dramatic. And you know, it, we have we always have just rel- like you know, uh, just you know, most recent bias. Yeah, great game, but so wouldn't the playoff game if Georgia had hosted Oklahoma. Yeah, no, look, I agree with you in general. I think conference title games are unnecessary because that's why you play the regular season. And by and large, we know already who the best team is before the conference title games are played. And that's without even considering the absurdity of divisions, which often lead to the non-two best teams playing, right? right? And then I think certainly if you expand to eight, you get into a discussion about, well, are we knocking one of our best teams out by having them play another good team? Not to mention the challenge that would be associated with it. I agree with you in the grand scheme of things. If you could wave a magic wand, it would be better if there were no conference title games and you went straight into the 18 playoff. I just think the challenge from the overall dollar figure uh, after 25 years of building it up for the SEC, they do have a pretty good signature event in Atlanta. Uh, quickly, as we uh, as we go, I want to pivot a little bit to the NFL. Um, NFL has got its groove back. It's been a heck of a season so far. Um, when you look at the uh, at, at the way the NFL season has played out. Are you, and, and I know you grew up in Massachusetts, and so you've spent a lot of time covering the Patriots. Do you believe the Patriots are done as a dynasty, or do you think they still are a Super Bowl caliber team this year? You know, this is not a great Patriots team by Patriots standards, but I'm not ready to bury them. Uh, first off, they're probably going to end up 11 and 5, and everyone goes, well, that's the most losses they've had this decade. Guess what? That's, out, that's outrageous. <laughs> yeah. It's five losses constitutes you're dead. Like, they're 11 and – they're probably going 11 and 5. They're going to be Buffalo and the Jets. Now, they lose those, yeah, forget it. But Brady's getting old. You know, I mean, there's all sorts of issues. But their losses were – they had two just dogs early in the season against Jackson – a fired-up Jacksonville team and then just a complete no-show in Detroit. They're not as good. However, look at this AFC field. And this is why I think this playoff is fascinating. Anything can happen. Fun. You got a first-year QB in Mahomes, who they just lost their running game, and he—they are winning games and staying in games by this guy pulling magic out of a hat. That tends to stop in the playoffs. It's hard to score in the playoffs usually. You have a, a, a very possible number one seed 
the L.A. Chargers, okay? If that's where the AFC Championship game is, it's a 25,000-seat soccer arena. The team has no fans. If New England plays the Chargers in the AFC Championship game, it will be 18,000 Patriots fans and 7,000 Charger fans or just people who wandered in. It'll be a home game in L.A. I don't know that Tom Brady wouldn't sit there and say, I'd rather play in the heat, in the warmth up there. Okay? Then you've got all these other teams they've beaten. It's just not, if they were had to, if I was staring at, you're going to, the Patriots have to go to the Superdome and beat the Saints, I don't like the chances. But I can't write them off when this is the competition. Outstanding stuff as always, Dan Wetzel. Hopefully we'll talk to you next week. If not... Have a good Christmas, and uh, I'll see you on the road, I'm sure, somewhere down the road here pretty soon. You too, Clyde. Take care. It's Dan Wetzel. Uh, When we return here on OutKick, I'll run through my predictions for what the wildcard matchups are going to be, who is going to continue to advance, and also I'll give you my Super Bowl prediction two weeks out. That's the final segment of the Thursday edition. This is OutKick, the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Weezer bringing us back here. We're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Ran through this. My prediction for what's going to happen in the AFC and the NFC. I got the Chargers winning uh, the AFC because I think the Seahawks are going to beat the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football this week. Here's some stats for you for how good the Seahawks have been at home in night games. Against the spread, night games for the Seahawks. 24-6-4 in their last 34 night games. Night games at ho- at home against the spread. 15-3 and 3. Night games at home as an underdog. 10 and 2. Sorry, night games as an underdog, 10 and 2. Night games at home as an underdog, 5 and 1. Night games in December against the spread, 9 and 0. Night games versus teams with winning records, 11 and 3 against the spread. I don't know what it is about playing at night, but the Seahawks come to play. That's why I think they beat the Chiefs. Number one overall seed, I believe, will be the Chargers, who I think are going to run roughshod over uh, Lamar Jackson and the uh, and the Ravens. Ravens have played the five worst rush defenses so far with Lamar Jackson at quarterback. I think that Lamar Jackson will get down, have to throw the ball. It'll get exposed a little bit by that Charger defense. Uh, Chargers one seed. Patriots slide up to two. I think the Texans lose on the road against the Eagles this weekend. Fall down to number three overall. Steelers finish four. Five spot the Chiefs. I think it's unfair that the two best teams in the AFC are the Chargers and the Chiefs, and we don't just give them the number one and number two spots. Instead, we have this ridiculous divisional system. Just make the top four teams in the NFL divisions in the AFC and the NFC conferences just take the top four teams why do we need to only give division winners home games so as a result the Chiefs fall to five the Titans I think beat the Colts in Sunday night football which will be the flex game nine and six Titans versus nine and six Colts is my expectation I think the Titans get past Andrew Luck win that home game to advance to the playoffs so my wild card matchups 
Titans on the road against the Texans and Chiefs on the road against the Steelers. In the NFC, my breakdown. Saints, I think, take care of the Steelers this weekend. Lock up home field advantage. They get to play in a dome the rest of the season. Two home games. Last one might not matter against the Panthers who have benched Cam Newton. And then two, in theory, at home divisional round in the a- in the NFC Championship. And then they'd get to go just up the road a little bit to Atlanta and play in another dome. I like the Saints to win the Super Bowl. I really do. Love them to win the Super Bowl right now. Ram- I love that their defense is done. Since week 10, the Saints have had the best defense in the NFL. A lot of focus on Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, and, um, and Michael Thomas, that offensive juggernaut. It's really the defense that's been carrying the Saints lately. I love their ability to win games a variety of ways. Two-seed Rams, I think they take care of the Cardinals, blow them out this weekend. Uh, Bears sliding in at the three spot. Uh, They'll be on the road, I think, against the Rams in the divisional round of the playoffs. Cowboys going into the four. The five-seed, I've got the Seahawks, and then I've got the Vikings as the six. That means your NFC wildcard games, Vikings going up against the Bears. That'll be a rematch of Week 17, except in Week 17, the Bears will be on the road against the Vikings. A little bit of a strange game and situation there. Seahawks, Cowboys, those two teams mirror images of each other. I like the Seahawks to win that game because I believe that the Seahawks have a little bit better, more reliable quarterback. Maybe not a little bit better, a lot better. I like Russell Wilson a lot more than I do uh, Dak Prescott. I think that's the difference maker in that game. Two great defenses, two ability to run the two teams with the ability to run the football. I think Russell Wilson down the stretch makes some plays. Russell Wilson underrated this year is having the best year of his career best year by far for Russell Wilson of his career I think he's getting overlooked a little bit this season and I think that will change on Sunday night when they beat the Chiefs I think a lot of people will go back and they'll say wait a minute wow you know what Seahawks are pretty decent and Russell Wilson look at his numbers look at how good he has been I think a lot of people will reassess this season And I think that Sunday night football game will be a big reason why. So that is my prediction. We'll talk about those predictions a little bit tomorrow on the show as we get prepared for the Saturday and Sunday weekend coming up in the NFL. And we'll see how well I do come Monday, whether those predictions look ridiculous or whether I'm starting to look like a genius with what happens on the Saturday and Sunday games. Uh, Appreciate all of you spending your Thursday morning with us. Encourage you to go download the podcast. Millions of you doing it. I appreciate you guys out there who listen, regardless of whether you're on one of our 300-plus stations in all 50 states, listening on satellite radio, listening on the podcast. However you listen, I thank you for doing it. Uh, but I'd also encourage you, go search out OutKick, sign up, and uh, and send your city surging to the top of the download list. My name is Clay Travis. I want to give a shout-out again to my guy, Jackson Lampley. He was an 8-year-old in my first book, Dixieland Delight. He just signed as a four-star offensive uh, lineman for the University of Tennessee. I went to his party last night celebrating that. Definitely makes you feel old when you wrote about a kid uh, going to a football game when he was eight, and now he's a four-star big-time tackle. Congrats to him. Congrats to everybody on signing day. This has been OutKick. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. 